The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here's Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Second Stage. We're uh, thrilled uh, today to have Benjamin Von Seeger with us. Uh, Benjamin is a is an entrepreneur uh, in his uh, great background in building relationships uh, um, with uh, successful entrepreneurs and business leaders as they establish and achieve uh, both business and personal goals. Um, the ability uh, the ability to inst- instinctively engage, respond, and create trust with employees, customers, vendors, and investors is a crucial in building a lasting brand. Um, to discuss in this depth, we are excited to welcome, as I mentioned earlier, a telecommunications industry veteran and author of The Rival, uh, Play the Game, Own the Hustle, uh, Power in Competition and Longevity in Collaboration, uh, Benjamin Von Siegler, Von Seeger, to the second stage. Uh, on today's episode, uh, Mr. Von Seeger will share with us the importance of focusing on the pr- practical soft skills when it comes to driving new business and creating a successful culture. Uh, in his book, Benjamin outlines some of what he believes are the essential elements of business leadership based on his 20-year professional career, 20-plus year pr- professional career, including emotional and uh, relational, relational intelligence, um, relationship building, and brand development. Uh, uh, so uh, with that, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Benjamin to the show. Uh, Benjamin, welcome to the second stage. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, I really appreciate uh, having me. It's a pleasure. Benjamin, uh, I mentioned earlier, is a a senior sales executive uh, known for delivering and sustaining revenue and uh, and, uh, profit gains with a competitive global telecommunications market. Um, Throughout his uh, 20-year career, um, he has, like I mentioned, uh, been in key sales positions. And um, you can contact him. I mentioned earlier he wrote the book, The Rival. Uh, You can get that book on uh, Amazon, on iTunes, or www.worldcat.org. And you can also reach him at www.benjaminvonseeger.com or his Twitter at at Ben Von Seeger, B-E-N-V-O-N-S-E-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-E-G-
Um, thank you, Brandon. So um, the book um, is uh, a little bit of uh, autobiography about my career, and it's more oriented for um, students that are graduating from MBA classes and um, <clears throat> as well entrepreneurs and uh, some of the critics said it can be also a refresher for future CEOs or existing CEOs that I want to look back and see how, how, have, how they have done it. So the book came together as an idea for um, uh, my position as a co-lecturer at DeVry University and FIU University. Uh, I was always invited and, um, you know, after after a long career, you are looking at ways of uh, giving back to community, and I really enjoy going meeting with students and talking to them about my experiences, my meetings, uh, my my mistakes, and also about my success. So a lot of a lot of students think that all entrepreneurs are always successful, that they are perfect, they will never make mistakes. But God only knows we do make mistakes and we learn from them. Um, that's how the book came together. It was it was just an idea at first two years ago, and then I met with a friend of mine, and he said you should you should definitely write a book because the students asked me you're talking about all these uh, great situations you've been in. You have a <clears throat> an extensive experience. You traveled to 130 countries. You've been in three weeks in four continents in 20 cities in different meetings. And we like to read about this. We like to understand. Um, how, how you have done it, how you've flown 4 million miles and met with <laughs> the top executives in the world. So um, I just sat down and I wrote an outline and met with a friend and this friend of mine said, okay, to every outline that you have over there, just extend a little bit and basically we're going to create a chapter and each chapter is going to have some sub-chapters and you're going to write a book. And I'm like, I don't have time to read uh, I barely read in the plane, so when, when am I going to get a time to write a book? So, and I don't know. Just one day I started, and I kind, I you know, I kind of fell into it, and I I really liked it, and I liked the idea to return now to classes, and now when I return to classes, I put the book on the table, and it's a completely different approach. Well, I can tell you, it's a, um, my assistant gave it to me a couple of days ago, and it's a it's a very good read and very entertaining, and kind of moves pretty quickly. Um, Hey, I got to kind of maybe step back a second too. Is is uh, as I was uh, kind of reading up on your background, you you speak six different languages. Yes, so um, I was fortunate enough to um, to get a great education education in Germany. Uh, so uh, with my family, um, from my mom and dad, I, I learned English and Italian. And German, of course, was my na- native language. And then as I grew up in my career, and uh, <clears throat> I talk a about the, in my book about uh, book smarts, street smarts, emotional intelligence, relational intelligence, um, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, being street smarts is extremely important. And I, um, I also was very curious in, in studying more. So when I moved to Miami uh, ten, 10 years ago, I spoke no Spanish, and then I, I, I was technically forced to learn Spanish because I got Latin America as a territory for Terramark and I had no choice. So I sat down and I, I started learning Spanish. Then four years ago, I got 15 uh, large, very large customers for a, for a client of mine for BVS Consulting in Brazil. I had to sit down and learn Portuguese. There's no other choice. <laughs> Um, but um, I have a technique on how I approach the languages, and as you said, the book is a quick read. Um, it's uh, it's quite interesting, and uh, my 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 takeaway from the book is, um, you know, everybody's asking me, what well, is this book for me? The book is pretty much for everybody, and, and my idea is. It really doesn't matter what you what you try to become in life. If you want to be a professor, if you want to be an executive, if you want to be 
um, a doctor, you just have to be the best at your job. And I think that I kind of outlined that in my book. So my book, it's under the business category, but some, some feedback that I got from critics and also from readers is, you know, your book um, helped me a lot. This particular case point that you described at your meeting in Brazil helped me a lot with my meeting with my employees. Uh, I, I even have recruiting firms contacting me and it's like, we learn a lot from your book on how to hire candidates, on what to look into candidates when we hire. So uh, my idea was to combine uh, very little theory, which we all learn in, in the universities, and put a lot of case in points in the book, which are true stories through situations that I've been in that I have to deal that I have to deal with that um, I was I was in the position of taking taking a decision sometimes I took the right decision sometimes not always um, but um, the most important thing is that I did uh, I did take those decisions and they're all my decisions um, and the book pretty much um, shows uh, my success but also shows positions where you know situation happens beyond my control and I wasn't happy. Um, was, for example, the, the mergers and acquisition from Verizon to Terramark. Um, as the team of the senior team, I was kept on board till they needed me to transition the company. And then the Tom Cruise effect happened. How I wrote in the book, you know, everybody's replaceable, and that's something that we all have to understand. <laughs> hey, let me ask you one other question, then we'll move on. What did? How long did it take you to learn Spanish? Once you decided you want to learn it, just because I, you know, it would take me about 17 years. So how long, how long did it take you? Well, I mean, um, uh, Brennan, I don't want to be uh, <laughs> over the top here, but honestly, in four months, it, it took, uh, it was enough. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have some, I have some uh, very good books from, from a German company called Langenscheid, which is uh, the sister company of Burley's from here, from the United States. And they have a very, very clever system. And um, Spanish is a romantic language, so if you speak German, Italian, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, Romanian, and the Latin language, which I studied when I was a student, it's very easy to pick up those languages because they're all in the same category, and the, 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 the skeleton of the language and the grammar is pretty much the same. And for, for a language to be able to present and be able just to have a fluent conversation like we have, you need between 3,500 to 4,000 words. And um, the other secret that I have when I study languages, I never translate from a language to another. So, for example, I'm studying Portuguese. I bought a Portuguese dictionary because when you study English or German, which is your mother tongue, you never use a dictionary. So it's much easier when you don't understand a word to look for it in the dictionary and find the meaning in the language that you're studying. Because once you do that, you gotcha. never forget it. If you keep on translating words back and forth, you technically memorize the language so you don't learn it. So okay. I kind of have, um, and, and it happens to, you know, a lot of people ask me, how, 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 you, how, how, how are you able to, you know, if you ask me questions in Italian, I can switch in Italian right away. I can switch in German. I can switch in Spanish. I have no problem. It's, um, I think you have to have a talent for it because I, I have friends that they just cannot learn another language. I, and I was extremely curious to learn other languages. And I've been very frustrated when I was in Argentina in meetings and I couldn't understand what was going on. So um, the moment I land in, in Argentina, for example, and I have meetings, before the meetings, I buy the local newspapers. I put their local TV station in Spanish. So I'm, I'm, by the time I go to the meeting, my brain and my body, everything is already acclimated to, to the Spanish culture for the day. And no, that's I, great. Um, I just have my presentations ready. I'm trying to um, have a conversation with them, and customers appreciate it. So, but uh, again, I was I was extremely fortunate to to be able to 
to grow up from home with, with three languages, the whole family. So, yeah, um, we talk a lot on the show about the importance of like the of entrepreneurial peer groups and mentors. Uh, in the first chapter of your book, you talk about the importance of, of a mentor. Frank uh, gave you the first opportunity in uh, relaying the important message um, that success isn't about how much you know or don't know; rather, it's about your relationships. Maybe talk to us about the importance uh, this was in your ultimate success and how it shaped the way you uh, mentor and lead others. Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Brandon. Um, I, I brought it in the book because every time I go to meetings, a lot of people are asking me the same thing as you did. Oh, my God, you're extremely intelligent. You speak all these languages. But, um, of course, after the, almost 20 years in the telecom industry, I do know a lot. But um, if, we, if, we go, um, if we go back in time a little bit, 20 years ago, I had no idea how to, how to use a cell phone. Now if you ask me about cell towers, fiber in the ground to the towers, if you ask me about a lot of details, of course, I do, know, I do know about those things, and I'm not a chief technology officer, but um, I have a feeling that we all get in life a few good chances, and when you do get those chances, you really have to grab onto them. So, and I was extremely loyal to my mentors, and I always want to learn from them, and as I, as I described in my book, you know, I was managing a fleet of cars that had nothing to do with technology for this CEO, and one day he just said, tell me you need to come and work for me. And I said, it's, it's a joke because I, I have no idea how to use a cell phone. And, you know, Frank taught me a pivotal lesson that day. He's like, Ben, it is not about what you're going to sell. It's about how you're going to be able to establish a relationship. And you, for the past year, were the only one that 100% delivered to my company everything we asked for. So, and he was right. So, um, and five years later, I moved to the United States, and I, I ran into my mentor CEO, um, Jamie Dos Santos, and it was the same thing. We had a meeting for several minutes, and then we met for, for, for dinner. And she said, I just want to understand your future plans. And I told her, I don't know anything about data centers. I do know telecommunications. I understand what your project is about, but at the moment, it's just a parking lot. So she's like, no problem. Just sit down. I'll, I'll forward you the documents over the weekend, study them a little bit. And then on Monday, you let me know if you want to do this or not. And um, I think that um, it, is, it, is, it is very important that, you know, when you have those chances, you, you grab onto them very quickly because they don't come that often. And to me, it had a, a great impact because uh, now that I got a little bit older, I realized that, you know, it's not about the amount of money and the amount of companies I'm going to build and sell and for, for how, how much money I'm going to make. It's more about... Um, what do I know, and all my knowledge, what do I do with it? So the best and the most exciting feeling is to go and spend time with the students, to go and spend time in speed engagements, where I have a room of three, 400 people, and I, I speak for five, six hours. It doesn't, the, the time, the four, five, six hours, they go like 40 minutes to me in my head. So, and, and, and I found it very interesting when I get a lot of questions, like a student the other day told me, Ben, I have never seen anybody who's been to 130 countries who's flown 4 million miles. I mean, how did you do it? So I just go, I just go into details step by step. I mean, it took a while to do all this, but it is, it is hard work, but at the end, it does pay off. So when I'm trying now to, to mentor my, my, um, my students or my employees, um, I'm trying to take a different approach. I'm trying to be a bit more... Um, cautious the way I do it, because when I was young in my career and I became extremely successful, I mean, at a very young age, I had a, um, I had a bit of a problem, and I write about it in my book. I was making a lot of mistakes. I was a bit impatient with, um, with account managers that were reporting to me, and I would take the deals away from them and go and close them myself. There were several reasons involved, but I learned not to do that anymore. I learned how to empower people. I learned how to value 
um, <clears throat> and I, I learned how to not be their boss, but work together with them and helping them in closing those deals. But again, there are moments and situations where, you know, uh, this is what I'm trying to say that um, uh, everybody say, oh, I'm working for GE or I'm working for American Airlines. Uh, I run the sales department. Well, technically, yes, you do work from them. You do get a paycheck from them. But at the end of the day, you are an entrepreneur within a big company. That's how I saw my position every single time. I had my expenses. I had my quota that I had to meet. I had the revenue that I had to bring. And when I was working for Termark and I was in a very high-level position, I, 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 at a board meeting, one, um, things were not going very well. You know, investors can be extremely powerful and they can be a little bit uh, strong in, in the language. Um, they clearly told me, Ben, you're not even reporting to us anymore. Right now you're reporting to Wall Street. You don't deliver, we all go down. So it's, it's, the pressure is there. Well, um, I, uh, when we get, we'll take a quick break here. When uh, we come back, we'll find out how, uh, how Benjamin came up with the name of his book. Um, anyone that wants to contact us can reach us at, at evolution underscore CP um, on Twitter um, and, or use the hashtag at or, or hashtag the second number two ND stage. Or email us at the second, spell it out, S spell out second stage at evolutioncp.com. Um, as always, I'd like to thank our sponsor, uh, RSM, uh, former uh, McGladry LLP, the uh, leading provider of assurance tax consulting services focused on small and mid sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 cities. With that, we'll be back in a couple of minutes on the second stage. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. 
To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back, everybody. As I mentioned, it's Brendan Anderson. Jeff Cadlick is out and about. Uh, I think he's uh, on the East Coast this uh, this week. Um, I do want to remind everybody that they can uh, download this and any other episode on Voice America Talk Radio's mobile application um, or uh, voiceamerica.com. Um, and uh, as promised, we have uh, Benjamin Von Seeger here uh, who is going to tell us uh, how, uh, how he came up with the name of his book, The Rival. Uh, yeah, so um, well, I, I wrote a book, Brandon, and then um, I sat down with the editors, and they were like, okay, uh, what title do you want to use? And, you know, you look over there, and you see the platform, uh, you see a lot of titles that are about the business books, and uh, um, there are two things about the titles. So, for the, ti- so the, the title was inspired by uh, a British airline commercial, and they described this in the book, and the editors made me move this this chapter from the end actually to the front of the book because I explained the title at the end. Um, what happened is I was flying a lot and um, <clears throat> after September 11th in October of 2001, I think it was like the first week of October, I had to go to London pretty much weekly to meet with uh, customers and investors. And um, I kept on traveling and um, <clears throat> I, I arrived in London and I was a little bit jet lagged and I looked at the sign and it was, it was a huge sign saying arrivals, but they removed the R and it was a rival. And underneath that it was, if you're not going to see your customer, a rival will. And I kept on thinking about it. This is an interesting commercial from British Airways because, you know, it was a time where a 777 that holds over 300 passengers, we were 43 passengers on board with the crew. I'll never forget. And uh, I, I continued with my unit, so I went to my, to my hotel and I was getting ready for my meetings. And I put, again, the TV on to see the news, because, you know, you go into a meeting, customers are going to talk to you about the news, so I wanted to see what's going on in BBC. And again, the British Airways commercial, commercial came on, and it was, uh, it was a gentleman in London having a conference call with another salesperson in New York, and they kept on ca- talking in the conference call, of course, we're going to have another conference call next week, and you're more than welcome to London, and we're going to go out, no one have dinner. And then the, the screen faded, and then the guy, the CEO, was sitting in the office, and another salesperson in front of him was signing a contract with him. And at the end, British Airways came back and I said, if you're not going to see your customer, arrival will. So the title, I know it's, not, I know it's a business book, and everybody's like, well, why you call the, the name the, the rival? Well, the rival is one, the rival is within me, so I'm the rival of my own rival. If I don't wake up to make these phone calls, if I don't get on the plane to go and see my customer, I lose my customer, and then I am, I am your rival. Because if you're not going to see your customer, guess what? I will go and see it. And I had a pretty, pretty tough reputation within, between 2001 and 2006 in the data center telecom industry. I had a very, very uh, um, rival reputation in the industry because uh, technically I was able to close every deal I was putting our eyes on. And we put a lot of business out of business by doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions. So the rival comes from, very simple, from an inspiration from British Airways, their commercial from 2001, which is 15 years ago, and that got stuck in my head because 
the, the amount of miles that you're going to fly as a CEO or as a salesperson are going to be direct proportional with the amount of money you're going to make for yourself and for the company. So you sit in the office, nothing is going to happen. And trust me, if you, if you don't go to see your customer, I will, and I have no problem doing that. So that's how the inspiration came because it had to be – in another interview, uh, this lady was very nice, said, your book is completely different and it's very – um, out there, and it's very provocative. Even the title is very provocative. Who would call the book The Rival? Well, it, it's The Rival within us, and then it's The Rival that is going to compete for my business. And um, even entrepreneurs that develop their own product and they think, oh my God, I have the Royce Choice of the industry, I'm just developing this brand new product, give it just nine months, and within nine months, I guarantee you that someone else is going to create the same thing and compete. So I have examples like that in my book, like Uber came out four or five years ago, everybody was, wow, it's ecstatic. Now you have three or four other companies, Lyft and three others, that are trying the same thing. So um, they're their rivals. No, I, it, um, I, lo- you know, I, 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 I love it. I think it's, uh, it's amazing, you know, as you kind of put through life, you get those wonderful aha moments. Maybe talk about, because I think this is something that I, maybe the younger generation may miss out on a little bit, or maybe the old people like me. Um, talk about maybe why it's important to, to spend time, you know, whether you're the CEO or, or kind of a senior person in a company, it's important to spend time with your customers. So, um, going back to, you know, the, the sentence, it's not about what you know, it's about how you build the relationship. So, in my, opinion, in my opinion, building a great relationship first is the most important thing you can do. It's like money in the bank. Um, I also call it, uh, technically, it's like uh, the new trademark. Um, when you establish a relationship with your customers, you have their trust. And when you have the trust, you have access to everyone on their team, all the way up to the CEO level. Um, without having the trust relationship, uh, your business is standing in the, de- in the desert, technically waiting to die. So relationships connect your customers to the company and take the focus away from the politics of the sales process. Um, also, I, I strongly believe the relationships promote a vision that you are the trusted advisor, not just another company trying to sell them something. And, I, and you build, so when you have that first meeting, try to, to, try to create a conversation, not a presentation. We've all seen PowerPoints. We've all seen uh, webinars. So, and when you create that relationship, it, some of the relationships I have with some of the executives that are the C-level, they stay in power for a long time. They can last dec- dec- decades. So and it's important that you promote a vision of change and a cohesive, cohesive culture that becomes uh, adaptable to the change factor. Uh, so <clears throat> what, um, what I'm looking, um, you know, what I see that the biggest challenge, especially the millennials have, is they don't know how to establish and nourish the relationships. They're like, oh, what do I do? How, how do I do it? How do I make a phone call? How do I get in front of them? It's, it's just very simple. You just have to be approachable, articulate, and authentic. So with other words, just be yourself. Um, of course, it, it does help when, when you're book smart. It does help when you're street smart. And when you have the emotional intelligence and when you glue all together, it's great. But... Um, <clears throat> but you, you, have to, you have to build your brand, um, and the way you build your brand is start by building relationships. If, if, you, if you don't have the relationships, nothing is going to work. And, and I see this firsthand with me. So, you know, I, I was a German kid. I moved here 20 years ago, 17 years ago, and I, I started building my relationships. And originally, I, I sold telecommunication services in the data center world. Afterwards, I moved further, and I started selling um, data fiber networks. Um, but I 
kept on going back to the same CEOs, the same CTOs, and they trusted me. They said, okay, Benjamin's coming. He's done very well for us. He will make sure that they will that I will be taking care of them, that I will be bringing them the right products. Um, then later on, I moved, I moved to cloud services. Again, I turn around back to the C-level. The, the C-level executives, they're always going to have the power. So when you, when you talk to the CTO about data centers, I'm talking a lot about examples in the telecommunication industry because I'm very familiar with that. But pretty much in every organization, um, the skeleton of the business is always the same. So you're going to have... Um, the CEO, and he's going to be surrounded by his trusted advisors, and you gotta you gotta be in front of all those uh, in order to close deals. So uh, they knew when I went back to them that I will be bringing the right products with the, with the right service level agreement guarantees. That I will be making sure that everything is going to be done state of the art. I've seen other other colleagues of mine not selling the proper things, putting their their champions in jeopardy, and some people can lose their jobs by not making the right decisions. So my customer base, they know. So, for example, now when I wrote the book and I turn around and say, guys, I wrote the book, I, I just need an endorsement. I, none of them said no. Everybody was very excited. Everybody gave me a very good review, and they read the book, and they were very happy for me. So, and why did they do that? They didn't have to do it. They just did it because it was me. So when you represent your company, it's 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 at the end of the day all about you. Of course, the company is the is the pedigree comes with you and your whole team that you bring together. But uh, first, they are going to buy from you, and then they're going to buy what you what you put on the table. Tell me, like, <clears throat> we talk about establishing a relationship. I mean, is this something that takes weeks, months, years, or, or tell me, like, what's the least amount of time it, you know that you've been able to kind of really get get uh, some to know somebody, and what how and what's the most amount of time you've invested to get to know somebody? <clears throat> okay, um, so establishing relationships. This is um, this is um, this is a question that. You know, um, a lot of students ask me. Um, I also wrote an article for for one of the magazines. Like, what's the rule between book smarts, street smarts? Uh, what's the equation? Look, um, honestly, I don't have a magic formula over there. I can I can give you examples. Um, you always have to be. Um, that's why I always said, you know, you always have to be authentic, and you always have to be a little bit alert on on how you approach an account. So, I was doing consulting work for a CEO in New York, and they want to do business with Telecom Italia, and they've been trying for for like five or six years, and they switch account managers in their team, trying to approach the company from different angles. And finally, the CEO said, "Look, we we're not successful with them, and I would like to meet with them. I would like to invite them to our golf outing. We know." We have great products for them, but um, that's just very political. So some of the companies, the bigger they get, the more politics they have, and much more difficult it is to to, to have to have something with them. So it's okay. I will take this contract. Just give me a few weeks, and we'll see what I can do. So of course, Brandon, it's, it's much easier for me to establish a relation when I call Rome and I speak to them in Italian right away, and I already I already know them from before, but. Um, it's it's um, uh, the way you establish relationship is you combine the book smarts with the stream smarts and a lot of hard work and very strong work ethic. That's my formula. Um, what I've seen with the work ethic is um, how I established a relationship with the CTO from Deutsche Telekom. I invited him to come and see my data center in Miami. This is a true story, and he really liked it. And he said, "Are you guys building others in the same in the same fashion?" And I said, "Yes, sure, but we have one." 
available now, which is available today, and we're planning to build several more throughout the globe. So we're looking at Sao Paulo, we're looking at Amsterdam, we're looking at London, we're looking at other cities. And he said, I would be very interested to see your data center from California. And I said, sure, when would you like to see it? Tomorrow. So I called my <laughs> assistant and I said, book two tickets for me, and um, I'm not going to mention the name of the gentleman. And we're going to fly together to California, and uh, I'm going to go with him. I want to show him the data center. I want to talk to him. I want to give him the tour. I want to give him the bells and whistles, right? Um, we're friends. It's been almost 20 years. I fly yeah. together no, six great. hours to California, uh, you know, spend time over there, show that you care, show that you're going to be there when they need you. Um, from, from every bad situation, I tried to make a good one. Um, representing another client in New York who had a power outage in a data center, one of the chief executive officers from a customer, existing customer, got extremely upset. He called me and said, tomorrow I have to be in my office in St. Louis. Of course, I was in his office. I, I took the bullet. I made sure that, you know, that never happened again. I made sure that we corrected everything. It was a very important customer. The New York Stock Exchange was on that network. So um, how, do, how do, again, it's, it's very difficult to have that formula, but the, much, the, the more time you're out there, the more time you put yourself out there. And I see this also with the book, you know. Um, it takes hard work. It's not like everybody's like, oh, you sit in Miami, you wrote a book, you're at the beach every day, you don't do anything. No, I don't. I have a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> Uh, I, I, have, I have to create content for social media. I have to write articles. I have to review everything that's being posted. Uh, everything is being scrutinized. I'm looking at translating my book in German, in Spanish. So um, the work ethic is extremely important. Att attending uh, trade shows. Um, like I, I have a lot of friends now after I wrote the book and they read the book, and they come out of the woodwork for me and I, with a lot of questions. Well, what do I do with my logo? What do I do with my business? Uh, which trade show should I go? Um, you know, I always say you got to be out there um, as an executive 90% um, of the time. So I have a few rules. So 90% of the time you have to spend with your customers. 10% you spend in the company inside. But um, uh, how, how can I say this? I, I flew one time to Hawaii for a big trade show. Oh, Hawaii, of course, it's an exotic destination, right? But my trip mm -hmm. to Hawaii would be 16 hours flight, be there 48 hours, uh, from which 20 hours a day meetings and fly back 16 hours. So I'm there only for 48 hours. But some meetings were great, some meetings were not that great. And it happened that I walked into the same elevator with the CEO from a company, and he immediately on the spot hired my organization to represent his organization. So... Work, work hard and a strong work ethic and you being out there, you creating a network for yourself, it's what's going to make you successful. Other than that, I don't see it happen. And of course, you have to, you have to try to be yourself and um, use the rules of the three A's that I wrote in the book. You know, Try to be approachable, be articulate, and authentic. Authentic for me is the most important one because yeah. You know, you connect. You, you, and of course, uh, Brandon, it happens sometimes that, you know, I don't, it, it, it happens that it doesn't work. You know, it's like, sometimes like dating. It's just like, it's just not there. And then you have to, you have to find other ways to, to try to break the barriers. Because a lot of executives, and I see, I see this in myself today, they put a lot of barriers out there because they have so much to do and they have a lot of phone calls a day and they have a lot of, um, uh, people approaching them, so you have to be unique in your style, and then it's going to work. 
No, that's great. You know, it's, it's one of the first uh, bosses I ever had. You know, I used to always have the phrase, if you don't go, you don't get. And, uh, and I, you know, it's just, it's amazing how uh, and my partner Jeff and I sit around and, or, you know, and we, we do a lot of travel and, and uh, you know, and as you said, it's not, it's not wonderful, um, but it's, you know, but it's, uh, but, but it's, re- but it's required. And we often say to ourselves that if something, if we've hit a lull, that there's something that we just, we were not hitting our mark, um, uh, we realize that it's because we're, we're not out there. And, um, and, uh, so anyways, I, when, uh, we're going to take another quick break. When we get back, I want to, I want to ask Benjamin about, uh, the two different types of entrepreneurs he sees out there, but, uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes on the second stage. Um, and, uh, be back in a couple of seconds. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it and profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to Second Stage. We're on with uh, Benjamin Von Seeger, who is a senior sales executive known for delivering and sustaining revenue and profit gain within a competitive global telecommunications market. Uh, you can uh, reach Benjamin. Um, actually, yeah, he's an author of the book, a book called The Rival, Play, Play the Game, Own the Hustle, Power in Competition, and Longevity in Collaboration. Uh, that's available on Amazon. You can get it on iTunes or at www.worldcat.org. Uh, feel, uh, you can uh, find out more information um, on www.benjaminvonseeger.com, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-V-O-N-S-E-E-G-E-R.com, or follow him on Twitter 
at Ben Von Seeger. Uh, ben Von Seeger. He's also the president and CEO of uh, BVS Consulting, uh, and you can reach or find out more information on him at uh, or the the firm at www.bvsconsulting.com. Benjamin, I uh, had promised uh, the listeners that we would find out uh, more. Uh, you reference in your book there are two kinds of uh, young entrepreneurs, the kind that wear the title uh, entrepreneur like a vanity necklace, and we know a lot of them, and the kind that, that, that sees the, the life of an entrepreneur for what it really is, and, um, and you call it a hustle. And can you talk more about this, please? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to go in there and, and reinvent the wheel, right? When I write the book, so that's why I try to look at my experiences, and I think I'm I'm in the first group, which is the type of guy that likes to hustle. And I learned this from my two main mentors, Frank and Jamie, um, and I, um, especially from Jamie Dos Santos, my um, CEO from Termark, my friend that. Um, we running some ventures together. Together. So um, the first rule is, um, and I've seen this also in in the in the 20 years of my career and traveling around. Um, when when you are an entrepreneur and you want to understand the the business of your customers and as well the as, as well your own business, um, I think that you you have to be out there. So. Um, Frank and Jamie both, uh, they were constantly on meetings with me and my customers. So um, those are the entrepreneurs that I consider them like, you know, they like to hustle for the business, they like to have their own relationships, and they like to make sure that they are <clears throat> able to, 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 to strive. So, and um, um, as soon as um, we transitioned the company to Verizon and I went and became my own entrepreneur and opened my own business, Jamie went another direction, opened her own business. Something very important that um, uh, cleared my mind for the book happened. The investors and the customers, they all followed us. And they didn't follow the owner of the company. They didn't follow the chief financial officer of the company. They follow us. Uh, why? Because they knew us. They knew, they knew what we were capable of doing. And they knew that despite the fact there was a big organization with a big sales team and with a big um, 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 management and board, and you may have it, um, they knew that the two key people of the company which made everything happen was Jamie and myself. So the other ones that just laid back and they like to enjoy their beautiful office with a, with a nice uh, Hudson River view or um, wherever they are, um, they, um, I've seen them in the past 15 years uh, vanishing. So uh, meaning that um, they have not been out there, they have not traveled to see their customers. And I have a particular case from a company in New York that I represent that I sold that the entire management, the entire senior management, they had massive problems relocating within the telecom industry, and some of them actually left. They, they left altogether because um, they have never spent time with their customers. They have never understood the business. And uh, in my opinion, you know, if, you do, if you're not going to spend time with your customers, understand their needs, you're not going to be able to develop your own business in a proper way. So if we look today, I got criticized by some critics about my book that I'm talking too much about my experiences and about uh, what I did and what I, what I did right and what I did wrong. And I should have talked more about other cases, but you know, those, those are not my books for me to, to write. However, if I look at other uh, extremely successful entrepreneurs, their business model was backwards. Uh, so what they did, they came to ask the consumer and they asked us, okay, tell us how you want it. I'm talking about Amazon, Apple, Uber. Um, and then we're going to go back and we're going to deliver. 
So, but if you look at the executive team from these companies, they spend a lot of time with the customers. They spend a lot of time with the creative teams. They spend, they really work very hard at it. So, the 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 ones that are going to succeed are the hustle entrepreneurs. The other ones that wear, wear a wedding necklace around the neck and they are just being placed in a position by a board. Um, I see them being rotated um, extremely frequently. I mean, there are a few companies out that I follow that literally they change the CEO, uh, like I change my socks every six months, every every year they have another, a new CEO. It's incredible. I mean, when you know a CEO should be in power for for quite quite some time. So, an organization I work with and I represented most of the time, my company BVS Consulting, we have to I re, I deal directly with the CEO. So, I report to him in, in a way. I I brief him. On on, on what I do for his acquisitions or mergers or new customers that I bring on board. And I have some of them that are extremely keen to go out there and meet with the customers, and I have some of them they they really just don't care. And I'm a little bit um, confused sometimes because I, you know, if you, if you come to me and tell me, Ben, you have the opportunity to fly to Tokyo and meet the CEO from Entity Japan, uh, the Nippon Telecom Company, I'll be extremely pleased, and I'll say, okay, when, when is the meeting? Um, and um, <clears throat> however, um, uh, you, you build companies for two reasons, right? One wants to create a legacy, and wants to have an exit strategy. So, and those I think defines also the the type of the entrepreneurs and CEOs they see in these companies. So the the ones that they are um, they are building a legacy, they work very very hard. They are the the hustles. They they, they really are the day and night. The ones that just want to get quick rich and move on are the ones that fall in the second category. But again, I come back to my 90%, 10% formula. The, the more time you spend out there with your customers, um, the, the, the better you're, you're going to understand the message they have to bring back to your team and train them and empower them and explain to them what they're going to, what, what is going to be needed for the future. That probably explains why the Cleveland Browns are so terrible. They, uh, you know, they've had like 22 quarterbacks in 26 years. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's, maybe that's part of the problem. Actually, there's well, many, many problems. Imagine, imagine what have happened to Apple if they would have had 22 CEOs in the last 20 years. <laughs> Wouldn't have been good. Wouldn't have been good. Hey, you talk no. a lot about um, street smarts and book smarts in business. Um, how should uh, recent graduates use the balance, uh, you know, or entrepreneurs use this balance in interviews, resumes, or quite frankly, dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with the outside world? Um, so I wrote an article about that building, uh, cost, build relationships to build customers, and immediately an article was requested, balance between the book smarts and street smarts. So it's a full article on my website about that. Um, for that, I don't have a magic formula. What, I'm, what I do, however, I do empower education. I think it's extremely important. That's the reason I'm, uh, all my engagements for all universities are free. So I go and spend as much time as they want me to, uh, and I never charge for that. And I even, I even raffle five books, and I give audio codes for my audio book as well. Uh, because I do think, I, I do believe it's extremely important. I mean, I got a great education in Germany, and it's recognized at a global level. Um, and I'm also, I'm also trying to, to tell people, like, I see a lot of uh, people fighting for a business card, and they want to have on the business card general manager, senior director, and all that. I never ask for a business card. I mean, I don't think a business card is going to represent you. What is going to represent you is your approach. You have to be polished. You have to be 
on time for a meeting. You have to be dressed properly. You have to, you have to, you have to know what you're doing. And uh, all the time, people they never ask me for the business card, but they always call me. They always want to reach me. They always want to talk to me. And for for all they care, I could have been just a director in in Terramark. They 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 knew that I had the power to make um, to make things happen. So uh, again, I don't have a magic formula for that, but I do, however. Uh, support education on a big level. I think it's extremely important. But then again, uh, Brandon, I, I run into people that only graduate from high school and they're extremely driven. They work very hard. Um, they're autodidacts. They study a lot on their own and I see them building companies and being very, very successful. Um, the other thing I'm trying to tell my students when I'm, when I'm lecturing other classes is, you know, they have to be careful because just that you have an MBA title associated with your name, that doesn't entitle you to, to being the CEO of, of next corporation you apply your job for because the corporation you're applying uh, for a job already has a CEO. So you have to think about that. So it's extremely important that you build your network. It's extremely important that um, you you <clears throat> you bring substance to the meeting. And um, I think sometimes how difficult it can be for for the the students that are graduating right now because uh, technically, um, and I hate this expression, you know, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to hire you. I want to see you hit the ground running. I see companies giving no training whatsoever. And um, it's it, it's it's not it's not an easy task, and it's quite difficult at times. And I, I understand. I mean, um, I saw it firsthand with myself. It was um, I was a bit fortunate because I had interna- uh, some relations at an international level, and I was in the right time at the right moment, and I was able to close some deals very quickly. But a lot of organizations expect you to bring a Rolodex with you. Well. Now you, have, you bring your iPhone with a thousand contacts and your LinkedIn profile with five thousand contacts, not the Rolodex anymore. But they want you to bring revenue as soon as possible within the organization, and that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes it takes time. I had I had contracts that that I was able to close in three months, six months, but I also had a contract that was crucial for the organization. They took me two years to close. So. Um, and in, to, to try to, to put a formula in place for that, I think that's a little bit realistic. However, um, you know, education, it's, it's, it's the right place to start. But uh, I will definitely, I will definitely um, look into um, getting the street smarts or the street sense. The, the way you can get that is just, again, coming back to my, to my two things, work ethic and uh, work very hard. And uh, how you do that, um, depending on, on your position, if you have a local territory, if you have a U.S. as a territory, I always, because my language got a global territory, immediately they, they create regions where, you know, the, the languages I speak would be to my benefit. So um, it's something that um, uh, you have to decide for yourself. And then you, you have to gain some confidence. I mean, also you have to prepare for those meetings and you have to listen when to go to meetings. Um, um, my opinion, I know it's a little bit old-fashioned, face-to-face meetings are priceless. I know that a lot of people tell me, even my partners here, why I keep on traveling so hard? Uh, you have FaceTime, you have Skype, you have um, all these applications that you can do con- video conferencing. Um, that's all good and dandy for for after you establish the relationships. But, you know, you, you, have to, you have to do groundwork. So when you go to meetings, you have to make sure that you have the right audience in the meetings, um, that you ask intelligent questions and clarify the discussion. And, um, um, 
you know, you want, you want to build that trust um, and, and create that long-term bridge uh, going forward. Um, you have to be authentic in meeting. You have to stay focused. You have to concentrate. You have to be motivated. And I know this is not easy to do after you've been flying for eight hours to London. You just landed. You cleared immigration. You took a shower. You're, you are back in the boardroom for eight hours. But you have to do it. And uh, one thing that I, that I notice, and again, uh, I'm not going to say name, but I work with someone at a very senior level that only had a high school education, but this person had a tremendous way of taking over a boardroom of people. You have to get personal with your audience. You, you have to... You have to um, get them to participate in your in your conversation, and uh, you have to ask the right questions and uh, go away from long, boring presentation, uh, um, which are for designed for weak salespeople. It's uh, you, you got to be engaging, and um, you know one thing that I'm explaining to my students. I'm like, you guys have to understand that you know um, your audience is also nervous as as you are because they have to take decisions. Uh, they can put the job at risk. So um, in meetings, I always try to use as much as I can a positive body language. And, um, of course, in the back of my head, I always keep uh, what I need to do, which is closing the deal. And that's my main focus. Like, either, either I make a sale or I, I, I'm with investors in raising money. But I'm trying to combine all this and trying to get my confidence in meetings. So... Um, I think that, you know, if you, if you look at this and you put them on a board and you try to connect them somehow, if you find yourself sure. in the middle, you're going to be successful. Hey, Benjamin, um, we're down to probably like three or four minutes. Um, let's talk about like uh, launching a business and, and maybe how do you inspire, uh, you know, your students, entrepreneurs to get started in kind of the idea of launching a business? Well, um, it, it's funny that you asked me this question because they said a lot of my friends are coming back now and know oh, I'm opening a cigar store. I need help. I need your help because you wrote the book and you wrote about creating the logo. You wrote about pretty much everything, dissecting everything. So um, some of them, they don't want to start a business. Some of them, they want to get into the corporate world to gain experience and then start a business. Um, again, my opinion um, <clears throat> Brandon, even if you get in the corporate world and you have a position where you are in sales and in charge of revenue, you have to see as your you have to see your position as your own business. Because I had discussions with them. Uh, no, I work for GE. Um, GE pays pays my pays my bills, pays my paycheck. No, um, uh, sorry, uh, my GE does that. I'm like, no, GE doesn't do that. Uh, the customer of GE does that. In the moment GE lo- loses the bigger customer, you lose your position, so you're out. So your mentality as an entrepreneur has to be present every day. So if you represent American Airlines or if you represent Lufthansa or if you represent BVS Consulting, which is my own company, you have to have the approach as you are working for yourself every day. That's how at least I thought. I never thought that Terramark was, my, was paying my, my paycheck. I always thought that Deutsche Telekom was paying my paycheck, Telecom Italia, because I closed the deals with them. So, and I knew in the moment that they get upset and they leave, I lose revenue, and um, I'm trying to, when I'm talking to the, to the students, I'm trying to tell them, you know, your position in the company is not only your salary. You cost much more than that because they offer your phone, they, are, they pay for travel expenses, so uh, you might be making, I don't know, a certain amount of money, multiply that by three with all the benefits and everything the employer has to pay for you. So it's crucial that you always keep in mind that at the end of the day, the customer is your employer. That's my definition for being an entrepreneur. So today, for example, at the moment right now, uh, my customers are, are companies that are buying my book to give it to their employees as, a, as an empowerment tool, as a motivation tool. 
So, but at BGS Consulting, uh, constantly I'm thinking that um, it's me with my team. So I have to make it happen because if my customers are not happy, then there's no there's no paycheck coming in. And unfortunately, well, Benjamin, I, people have the they they get in the comfort zone. Oh, I work for American Airlines. American Airlines pay my bills. That's fine. Well, yes, it is. Till they lose a the big customers, and then you're out. Well, I, I appreciate your time. I, uh, you know, obviously, um, very impressed with your background. Very, very impressed with your, uh, you know, with Thank your you. energy and and uh, and so forth. And I and I would encourage any one of the listeners out there that <clears throat> has additional questions or, or you know, obviously we look at, at, at evolution. We invest in very, very small companies, and it always seems that you know driving revenue is the key to a lot of this stuff, and and relationships really do really is the key to driving that revenue. So. Um, you know, Benjamin, as, uh, um, as, as always, we appreciate and respect your time and, and, uh, and congratulate you on, on, uh, on a wonderful, uh, you know, kind of history. And we look forward to kind of keeping, uh, keeping track of how many more languages you pick up, uh, in, in the, in the coming weeks, but Thanks. thank you so much for participating in our show. And, um, as, uh, as always for all the listeners out there, please, uh, feel free to reach out to evolution at evolutioncp.com. Um, and, uh, and, uh, as always, thank you for passion for the possibilities. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for tuning in this week to the second stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.